I thank you kindly for firing up the podcast system. That's cast with me, podcast system. With me, lovey. And yes, that is my real name. Every episode, I tackle something new in the world of politics, pop culture, race, and the lack of relations. Be sure to subscribe and enjoy every shady moment. Be hashtag blessed, y'all. I'm super excited to welcome my next guest to the show, fashion guru, Chote alum, Prep 9 alum, friend, and fashion to the stars. Seriously, she is incredible. Chantelle Richardson is coming on today. She is a co-owner of Trim Notions, the only woman-owned, black-owned trim supplier in the fashion district. Chantel's business is basically everything on an item of clothing or handbag that is not fabric. The ruffles, the fringe, the zippers, labels, the emblems, the fancy spikes and rhinestones all fall under the category of trim and notions, which makes her like my greatest friend <laughs> ever because I love anything that sparkles and glitters and shines and she is the epitome of it. She is also the creator of Chantelet which is an amazing fashion line that she created herself. And I have dreamed of wearing her stuff since inception. And I think it started around 2010, but we will get the final details when we bring her on in just a second. She has lived in India and overseen factories there, consulting designer brands on luxury European textiles, and has created her palpable desire to instead see New York once again become the center for fashion innovation. Welcome to the show, Chantelle. Lovey, thank you so much. That was such a wonderful introduction and most times when people are like going through that stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, that was part of my life. Girl, I haven't even, and the craziest thing is there's so much that's part of your life. I couldn't even squeeze it into the intro. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. But like everybody who comes onto the show, I have to tell sort of a, how do we know each other? How did we meet? What's our connection? And other than being both prep alums and chode alums, I have yes. to tell the story of how you helped me become a fashion do instead of a fashion don't <laughs> <laughs> because I clearly was. And, and the story is, <laughs> it's I'm funny because ready. I, you know, I, I, I try not to laugh every time I think about it because if I really think hard, I'm like, Ooh, I was, that was mortifying. I was working at prep nine at the time and you were a young alum, like fresh. I don't even think you were out of college. I think you were still in college. Possibly. No, I had to be out of college. We you look like you were in high it. school. You I look mean, like you were. I mean, you, you know. still do look like you're in high I school. Mean. <laughs> <laughs> right now, your look is fire. <laughs> but <laughs> so you came to this event that we were hosting, and it was at the Ralph Lauren new store that they were promoting for their rugby line, which basically was the Hamptons meets the Vineyard with popped collars and yeah, a slight and big rugged. Stripes. Right, mixed stripes. Yeah, big stripes. 
you know, so they were like, oh, let's find black people that we can bring to this. And so they invited prep and there we were, right? Legitimately, that's what that was. So (laughs) we're at this event and I really, I was like, let me get my best outfit together. And I put on this killer suit that I really thought I was doing something with. Like I thought this was it. And you beelined it to me and you're like, lovey, what is that? And I'm like, what? Do you like my suit? And you're like, oh, sweetie, no, I do not. <laughs> you're like, the crotch is too dropped. Pattern is not doing anything for uh, you. Color my... is just, and in retrospect, you were absolutely right. I would never I mean... wear that suit today. I would never wear that suit today. I appreciate that, but I definitely feel bad about it. You shouldn't. (laughs) I hope it was delivered with all the heart and like love that you know that I have for you. And it wasn't. Listen, here's the thing. You know, we're family. You know what I mean? This is true. And so it's like if my brother told me that something I was wearing was wrong, I'd yeah. in the moment I'd be like, mm. but then I'd be like, oh shoot, I should, I should, I need to take this off. Yeah, it just makes people wonder, like, why is that crotch so low? Like, I, what else is going on? <laughs> and I tell you to this day, I still practice my WWSS. What would Chantel say hey. about this outfit? And I, I mean, have put things back came on. in though, so maybe you were ahead of your time. You know, no, what this, mean? these weren't hammer pants. <laughs> these were not. It wasn't that look. These were tight, tight. Yeah, you know, because I was a little fuller in the hips and the rump. Just I had a little something, something happening, and um, <laughs> with a big old drop crotch. Yeah, I think it was also one of my like fashion pet peeves to see like people with like ill-fitting pants and so like I just probably felt compelled to say something I was just like this is not happening in front of my eyes not to love you my favorite is prefect and person like I can't I can't let it go out like that but I appreciate that because you know how many people I walked by the street that day it's like (laughs) it's like when you have your zipper down all day and then finally the last person is like hey your zipper's down well how long has it been down you find out everybody thought the same thing Man, you're drunk. Yeah, but now you're wearing clothes that like fit you wonderfully. Thank you. And like, you know, I, like it really was just about the fit. Like, I think you probably could have pulled off the brown plaid, you know, because you got the personality for it to pull those okay. kind of things up. But it was the fit. <laughs> and so, like, when something doesn't fit right, it's everyone can kind of see that. But when something does fit you, when something suits you, it was just about the fit. So, in life, just make sure it fits. So. And not to to share all old <laughs> stories of our youth, the time that I borrowed your outfit for Halloween, because I just <laughs> thought that you were so freaking fashionable. I mean, that's probably something you say to someone so they don't get offended while you're interviewing them for a podcast. But, wow. I mean, okay. <laughs> if you say so, if you're telling me that borrowing you know, my coat for your Halloween costume. I mean, I saw it as like, I want to be Cleopatra for <laughs> Halloween. So let me borrow. I, think I do remember it though. It was like a pleather jumper. It was it was a pleather two piece with a zipper top Jesus and Christ. bottom, and Jesus I Christ. actually have pictures. Can you please? I need to I see will share pictures. them. I will share them because I was with Omara and yeah. Mike Murphy. May he rest in peace. Who dressed in drag? Oh, oh really? Know, oh, he did. I have to see these pictures because honestly, I thought I was like definitely sore in high school for not be like winning best dress. 
ever. Like Girl, any of my years back. there. We need to go back and <laughs> rectify that. That was not the arena that I would be winning best dressed in. Like I literally came to Chose Campus in like cross colors and then wearing leather, yes, as you as you say. Like I had a purple crosscut outfit. I remember somebody called me Barney and I was like, excuse <gasps> me, I got one in turquoise. What's your point? I had a neon I mean, green. style in New York. Y'all don't know anything. Like I was so confident. I did not care. I was just like, and But this see, is this is, what are you talking about? That's the crazy thing, right? Like we came from New York where fashion was really everything. Like fashion, you you didn't just walk out of your house. School, like no. in Birkenstocks and no. an LL Bean shirt with your name monogrammed on it. That wasn't it. That no. wasn't fashion. No, it's everything created. had a it had a purpose. Everything. I had dragons on one of my suits that I wore to class. Like, who was I? Like, why was you I wearing that? were a trendsetter and they weren't ready. They weren't <laughs> ready. Everybody was rocking the same polo at Choate. Like that, it was a uniform. There was a uniform that people wore at Choate and then there were the rest of us. (laughs) I was still a work in progress. As we all know. We know. all were. Jesus. <laughs> we Listen, were. I wouldn't wear any of those looks now. I'd be looking for Girl, my like, no. Hugo Boss like baggy pants that had the matching like baggy sweatshirt to go with it that just said boss like as big as can be oh my across God. it. As if they were paying us to wear them. You at least stuck. I think you did, right? Did you stick to the New York sense of fashion? For the most part. I definitely think by my senior year, I was like wearing some J. Crew stuff, but... I think I still had like my sensibilities, but it, it was much more refined. I must say that. Like I still dress across between like New York, but the more like elegant side of prep. If I if I will say like not to like toot my own horn, but like I definitely wanted to dress in like more classic pieces, so probably like a really long black skirt with a really like pretty top or something like that. But it wasn't like preppy, but it was definitely more like reaching towards that, like the more fancy side of dress code instead of just being like, oh, I can get away with this. Like, no, that see, this is this is why I trusted your opinion when you told me that my suit was a hot mess because I <laughs> somehow channeled Kurt Cobain in passing and thought that the grunge look was for me and. I mean, I killed a Doc Martin. You I, did. I sure yes. did. I, I killed a, a flannel, a red. I was out in the woods cutting trees, Doc Martin wearing, uh. let me wrap this thing around my hips as if this is a skirt slash shawl. Yeah. No, I missed, that I missed the mark. Look. That was it. I wouldn't call it a look. I, it was, yeah. I had clothes. I had clothes. So, so <laughs> here we are now and you still talk to me and you'll still take pictures with me and be seen in public with me. So how did we get from where you were, clearly, you were ahead, right? The rugby days were, cause it's amazing, right? Like seriously, think about it. Here we are at, I'm running an event for people who are interested in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. You come, yeah. you school me. And here you are today, like a fashion guru in New York City and globally. So like, tell us, tell me your story. Yeah. So um, I didn't just jump into fashion. Like after I got out of college, I went into publishing. I got my degree in English and I was like, I'm going to be a journalist or something like that. I know how to write (laughs) things and make them sound I'm a chody. (laughs) Yeah. I can describe like a butterfly really well. Stuff like that. So Yeah. I thought I was going to do that. So I went into this like publishing company. I wasn't really getting along with my boss that great. 
Mm. She was cuckoo bananas, but aren't they all? Um, that's the side story. But mm-hmm. another editor who was working at the same place, she we had like developed a rapport, and she pulled me aside and she was like, "Hey, so like, do you have a five year plan for your life?" And I was like, "No, what's that?" You know, I was like 22, 21 years old. I was like, "I don't know." And so she was like, "Okay, well, well, what do you fall asleep?" with in your bed at night and I was like uh I'm a 21 year old like it could be a lot of things but (laughs) I was living at home with mama so the answer was fabric and beads like I would go to bead stores and just pick up like crazy amounts of beads and just like go to fabric stores and pick up fabric not necessarily knowing what I would do with them but then they would just turn into like little bags or embroidery projects and stuff like that so (laughs) she's like okay well think about that so I came in the next day with like a five-year plan and like one of the first steps to the plan was starting to, to become a stylist for like a fashion house. And she was like, okay, well think about that. And so like, you know, a couple months down the road, I had saved up my little coins from this job and uh, I quit. And then I was like, all right, peace. And Wait, did I you quit? Like, did you have another job lined up or you were no, just like, I'm, ba- I'm, I'm I out? I did not. I quit because my boss was cuckoo bananas. I, I love that. <laughs> I've been there. I had like, but I had a plan. I definitely had been saving up because I wasn't happy at this place. I just knew I was going to try to do this this fashion thing eventually. So I did quit. I would recommend people finding something else before. And I just started interning. But luckily, I started interning with different like fashion houses and um, mostly like smaller ones that were kind of like on the come up. But mm-hmm. I was able to like really learn a lot and given like a lot of responsibility. I remember the first fashion company I worked for was like, it's called Nika. And like they were implementing Salesforce into their into their data frame and all that kind of stuff and database and i was just like the ceo asked me to like learn salesforce which was like in its inception and now it's like this huge thing so it like, is yeah i had this crazy experience like on that side but then also on the fashion side i was able to just make my own moves i was reaching out to like different stylists and being like hey your client is so and so like you want to come look at these clothes and it was also like me reaching out to black stylists who <laughs> weren't able to go into I don't know the Armani's or wherever they oh, geez, you know right. wanted to be and I was like well here is this clothing line like we'd love for you to wear our stuff so one of the first people who I got to wear some things was Rihanna for her Ponder Replay video so hey, she was hey. in this little like Indian fabric with like Lorex because my company that I was working for called Nika and they did a lot of they were based in India and so they did that kind of stuff and then like my and then I also had I also reached out to Ivanka Trump's stylist at the time mm-hmm. and she was going on Jay Leno and she ended up wearing like a piece on there but she looked really lovely I must say she did look really good um, I mean because she was wearing it. stuff that you recommended for her so obviously she would look good yeah if only I could recommend some things to her now like knew a father oh um, anyway yeah mm-hmm. I, I, that's one thing that's the least of it of men like yeah. I recommend a bunch of new stuff for her too. Jeez, she ain't innocent in all this. Can Anywho. you leave? Anyway, did you dress her at Choke? No, I said like, she was in my biology class at Choke, but I said yeah. hi and bye mostly. We weren't like, kicking it. Or anything like that. Like right. I just literally had reached out and I was like, hey, I just called up Trump Tower one day. I was like, <laughs> are you serious? Like that's how you I got that? I swear to God. And I was like, can I get in touch with her stylist? And you know, the secretary gave me her stylist and then it took it from there. 
Wow. So yeah, sometimes you just got to be bold. I think I did be like, we went to chill together. Maybe I might have dropped the chill name. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, it's a listen. I you pay it. when you pay that tuition, it's enough to drop all over the place. Hey. hey. So yeah. So like <laughs> you know, it was just being with a small company like allowed me to do so many things and like. I did go eventually I stayed with them for maybe like two three years and eventually they sent me to India to oversee the factories and and all this time I'm kind of like also doing things on the side where I'm like promoting myself as a celebrity tailor to Mm. different people and like were you actually a celebrity tailor I mean I had thread and I had a needle Stop. And so, I mean, what else do you need? Have thread also <laughs> celebrities' clothes, period, point blank. No, but I, I have been making my own clothes from when I was doing like showcases as a performer, when I was also in my entertainment life. So I would make my own little jackets to like debut with whatever song I was singing. And so from there, I was, I was able to learn a lot about like sewing and then also I took classes like FIT for um, sewing, illustration. And I also took a free class with the city of New York that taught pattern making. So I definitely had an understanding of garment construction that did not come from Tufts University's degree in English at all. But um, yeah, I picked up all these different, you know, I just picked up the knowledge from different places and also just like absorbing things. So Wait, you were in Medford? Yeah. Girl, I didn't realize that you went to Tufts. It was awful. Yeah. I didn't like it. Yeah. My favorite part of Tufts was being in London for study abroad. <laughs> Yo, I just jumped. You said my favorite part was being... <laughs> my favorite part. Oh, wait. Academically, great school. At the time, socially, there wasn't much in Medford. Being at rugby and being in publishing to then like starting this career and like carving this place out for myself in fashion where I was just taking like <laughs> risks and going on the road less traveled for a chody and a prep alum and all that kind of stuff and just dude you I'm enjoying it you have an incredible incredible path and so so you did all of that mm-hmm. how did you kick off Chantelle can I just say oh. like that all the time Chantelle. of course please do the reason I call it Chantelle is because it was my fancy alter ego I didn't want it to be like Chantel Richardson Chantel. bye <laughs> yeah it was like it was also a way of like hiding my name, hiding what I was doing from my employer at the time because he wasn't going to Google Chantelle. You know what I mean? Girl. If he Googled it, I'd be like, hey, whatever. You See, know? at least you were clever enough. Most people, even in this day and age, don't try to hide <laughs> what they're doing online. But that's another discussion. So- yeah, so like, you know, starting off in fashion, I started t- like doing celebrity tailor stuff and um, just seeing the quality of the garment and being able to like deconstruct them and also put them back together was really fun. I was like, I could bring this to like the women in my community in a sense, you know, like the women who I know who are like up and coming lawyers, doctors, all these like wonderful, inspiring people. That's who I had in mind when I was designing chocolate. It was supposed to be the corporate woman who needs to be reminded that she has adventure in her life. I love it. Like they'd have like interesting details, like color blocking or, you know, the lining would be some kind of like bright color. So almost like a little secret that you would only know or I would do dresses that were like combo dresses so it looked like you put together this really cool outfit but it was really just one piece. a one piece nice. yeah so I could have given you that back in the rugby days girl <laughs> you could have given me a whole lot back then and I would have taken it all so, yes. so are you still producing products within that line? Not particularly. I think I do kind of like share them now. Like I stopped doing 
the collection uh, like hardcore probably like in 2015 mm-hmm. uh, where I was still doing fashion shows and and making pieces and stuff like that but now it's usually just like a custom thing if anything or if I've had stylists just come up to me and say hey can like do you have any pieces for like I don't know Raven Simone wore something like a year and a half ago on the view and she looks really good i must say girl can we get a picture i need a picture i can send you a picture yeah i'm gonna need a picture it's on my linkedin and on my instagram i'm the worst on Uh linkedin but i will have to find that because i am just in awe of everything (laughs) that you have done and that you're doing but let me pick your brain for a second okay as both chantelle and chantelle mm-hmm since you've spent time in India in the fashion industry, I'm I'm always curious about the concept of appropriation, right? Cultural appropriation okay. and how that plays into the world of fashion. What are your thoughts about that? Because there are definitely clothing from some parts of the world India, Pakistan, South Asia. I just I love the bright colors. I love the cuts, the styles, the fits. But mm-hmm. there is that sense of Ooh, can I and should I wear that? I get that. And I I definitely think that, I mean, the company I was working for, the family was Indian. So what they were making were things that were like a modern take on the traditional garments that they had grown up with. You know, so there is not like appropriation there. But then if you see like um, Gwen Stefani or whoever, who's like going through like an Indian phase, like without giving... When I, I, was talking, I had this conversation with somebody else the other day, actually. And I was like, when you don't acknowledge the community that it's coming from, especially when that community is constantly being like berated or belittled for their sense of style or misunderstood for their sense of style. And now it's on like a mainstream white platform and it's being celebrated. It's hurtful. It feels like a dagger. It feels like everything that you were is not good enough simply because of your skin color or your culture. And that's taking away a huge part, you know, from from the people who've created this. So I think that's where appropriation gets so frustrating because even when Gucci, right, they were working with Dapper Dan, they had basically knocked off one of his looks that he had fashioned back in the 80s. And they sent it down the runway like it was this brand new idea from them. In reality, they were part of like a lawsuit that went after Dapper Dan for copyright infringement because he was using their logos and like repurposing them into like these really cool, innovative, like hip hop items, which I mean, there's some fault there for sure, but they just went after this man. And then like years later down the road, you send his idea down the catwalk instead of just going to him at that time and being like, yo, can we do a collaboration? But at that time, you know, hip hop was nothing. It wasn't valued. There was, it was seen as like, you know, less than. And so they felt like they could do that and they did it, you know, successfully. But then when they did it, in 2019 or 2018, there was an uproar on social media that was like, no, you can't do that. Like this man is still alive. He still has these great ideas. He's a part of like the, you know, fashion fabric at this moment. And they turned around and did a collaboration with him, right? For those who don't know, Dapper Dan is like Harlem's, mm-hmm. he's like the version that I see in you, right? He he is the, he is the forefront of fashion for many Blacks in America when it comes to like, what's the next best look that we're, exactly. we're aspiring to? And he was always ahead of the curve, so. Yes, he was the style architect. He definitely created a look and created something out of nothing 
you know, and um, by just putting these things together. So I think that was one way to correct like appropriation. You know, like they definitely appropriated his look, but in doing so by saying like, we messed up, even if they had to be called out about it, if they at least said, okay, we messed up, let's do a partnership now where this man can actually monetize his influence even at this late stage, that was like important. And I appreciated that from like a larger company. Cause I think a lot of companies say, well, if I offended anybody, blah, 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 blah. And there's some apology statement and that's it. It's moved on. You know, like Mark Jacobs was called out about using braids in one of his more recent shows, like, you know, cornrows. And he sent it out in like a very like black influence style with very few black models. And he was just like, well, you know, black people, I don't understand. Black people didn't invent braids. And it was just like, you know, he just ignored it. And I think it took longer for him to come around to realize what he had actually, what he was actually doing. Did he and, actually say that black people Yeah, no, he really braids? was like, I don't understand. Like, it's fashion. We're supposed to all be able to borrow ideas from each other and blah, blah, blah. But that's not how it goes. You know, we always get our ideas borrowed, but mm-hmm. then someone is monetizing, like, our culture. And if I walk in with, cornrows to like a fashion event or even like into my office it's going to be looked at as like unprofessional or not as cool but then like if kim kardashian does it she's got this new style Kardashian invents new style like you know what i mean it's just it's like wait wait hold on like she already took my lips and she took my hips like can i just have my cornrows can i have my (laughs) cornrows Can, can I have my have door that? knocker earrings without exactly. somebody? Exactly. I'm going to my bamboo earrings. Can I have that? You know what I mean? <laughs> and can I feel pretty in it? And that's the part with appropriation that I think people don't get. It's just that if you can, like, acknowledge the source and actually even pull the community into your your idea of it, it will, one, it'll be stronger. Two, like, we are forgiving people. We, we want to see, we want to share with people. We want to see people celebrate it, you know? But it's just, like, when you're taking it without giving anything back, that's the part that's not right. Like, like, you like it's okay to throw a footnote. It's okay yeah. to throw a footnote and say, you know, I dedicate this show to all of the mm-hmm. black women who came before me who created the fashion that we know here today. Yeah. You know, sure. it's, it's, exactly. it's what we learned in high school, Nespa. Yeah. Like it is, it's, mm-hmm. we learn to give credit when it's the article you would get kicked out of choke doing that (laughs) and here we live in a world today where appropriating one style fashion for profit seems to be okay yeah ending on your last name i looked at somebody on halloween we'll go back to halloween who had an afro wig on right and i was sitting across from them with my afro on and i was like what the hell you know what I mean? Like, here you are using my afro to be, like, cool on Halloween, and this is just my hairstyle. <laughs> it was just kind of, like, crazy. But the craziest part about it is that that same afro walking into a place of business for a job interview or to go to work would have mm-hmm. been such an issue. Oh. And, yeah. and, it's, and it's funny because I remember right after college – you know, my first job and I had never relaxed my hair. Like I had never processed my hair for those people who don't know, like my hair is naturally, I mean, obviously my hair is very curly. My hair is big. It's, it's Mm -hmm. all over the place. And I thought in order for me to be able to get up and get to work and look the part that straightening my hair was the only way to do that so Mm -hmm. that I didn't feel out of place. 
in addition to sort of wearing certain things that felt less loud, like I wouldn't roll into the office with a cross color jean, (laughs) even though I still might have wanted to rock that. But, you know, maybe that was a little so much pressure. It's an added thing that you're you're devoting mental space to that you could be devoting other, you know, uh, like using otherwise to, you know, find that next improvement for the business instead of like worrying about how are they going to look at my hair while I'm giving this presentation or whatever, whatever have you. And I I think I still go through it to this day. You know, I definitely went to, in my new business, like, right, like trim notions, like walking into places um, as like the owner of this business. I had a woman who I had my hair in like an Afro puff, like it was just up in like a little Afro puff, mm-hmm. like, you know, I guess the black girl equivalent of a bun. And this woman patted me <gasps> on the head like a dog. Like she was like, oh, your hair is so nice. But she patted me and I was just like, oh, what do I say right now? You know, do I turn like, to her and yank business. her little craggly hand off of my hair? Or do I just keep it moving because I need the business? You know what I mean? And it's just something that stuck with me that she felt okay with that. Because I'm like, I've never felt okay reaching into someone's personal space. Never. To touch them without their permission. And she felt okay to do that. And also she patted me like I was a dog. Like it was, there was no, there were other ways that she could have done it. But I literally felt like a puppy. No, but that's, that's what it feels like. And I, not only have I experienced that myself, my children have certainly experienced it because everyone thinks that it's an endearing quality to just reach out and touch someone. It is not. It is yeah. never okay. And what's interesting is I've never had the desire to reach out and run my finger like blonde tendrils. Like no, I just, it's never. never come over me to want to do that. I don't but for some it. reason, it seems okay. And it, and it, but it also it transcends not just into hair it transcends into you know the makeup that you wear and people saying like oh that's so different it looks so different on your skin and it's like (laughs) well because my skin is different than your skin so yeah it would it took me a long time to get to the point where I felt comfortable wearing the clothes that made me feel most like myself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and the clothes that make me feel most (laughs) like myself aren't always the clothes that are (laughs) as we've learned mainstream fair not I definitely love your sock game I love like your purple game I'm just like I I die for you to like go into your new political role in these in these outfits and I think you should though but the crazy thing is I do so like amazing I legitimately like every week I have to go into the town into our you know, town office Mm -hmm. to sign warrants and to sign, I mean, it's, you know, I have to sign a lot of things. And I go in wearing my knee-high socks, (laughs) my glitter Converse, and like a tennis dress. Because that's what I wear during the day. It's a little act of rebellion, and I love it. Like, it's all like a little act of like, (laughs) it's definitely, I I always say that uh, one of my collections was based on the fact that fashion is a, it's a conversation. It's a conversation you can have without opening your mouth. Like whether you're wearing sweats that day or you're wearing a ball gown, you're saying something to someone who's viewing you, right? You're saying either um, my priority today is comfort or you're saying I like to go out on a limb. I like colors. I like brightness in my life. That's what makes me happy. They can tell all that just by what you're wearing. And so I always think fashion is a conversation that it's just like, what do you see? You know, I, it, the collection that I based it on was a, it was a collection of bra shack 
um, ink blot. I remember that collection with the yes. white dresses and then the mm-hmm. black. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I did these ink blocks, oh, you know, as um, overlays on different items. And it was basically to just emphasize that when you're looking at this Chantelle woman, like what do you see? And hopefully the answer is someone who's elegant, but also like courageous and outgoing or in their own way, you know, so, and comfortable with themselves. I, that's, I really love the way that you put it, but it is, fashion is an act of small rebellions, but it's also, it tells a story. You know, and it really does, because I I can now think about some days where I'm like, I'm wearing this because I'm just going to be loud. But yeah, you're like, let them say something to me. I wish you know, someone, I, I wish so it would, you know, like I wish like, somebody I have would something say to say stuff. and I will give them the opening if they need it. Yes. You know what I mean? That's so. no, but that's exactly right. And sometimes <sighs> it's so internalized that you don't realize that you're doing it. <laughs> and now I realize I, I do that maybe a lot where I'm like, say something. <laughs> I wish you would. I wish you would call me out on my knee socks and my glitter shoes. Yeah, <laughs> but even looking at like, you know, Black Lives Matter, like a lot of it comes down to like wearing a t-shirt or wearing something that blatantly says like how you feel. And I think fashion's always been tied to that. Um, there's a designer called Pierre Moss who his first, one of his more successful collections where he actually did branch out. He had people, he had an artist come down the runway with the models and paint on their shoes and on their clothing, like things like I Can't Breathe based on like mm. Eric Garner. And this was maybe back in 2015. So still some years back then what this George Floyd moment, moment that we're experiencing now. He got like 70% of his orders canceled. Yeah, really? it was crazy. It was an amazing collection, but he was it was known as the Black Lives Matter collection, right? And then now, fast forward to 2020, he, he was asked to um, archive his collection in the Smithsonian. So I was just like, what? Like that, like, look how far it came, you know, from this place where he almost lost his whole, like, livelihood and he went out on this big limb because he had something to say to now where he's become this really great symbol of how Black culture can, like, own itself and really call attention back to itself. And no one does it, you know, no one can do you better than you. So as long as you're giving the platform and he took his time to really develop the platform he hasn't fallen into oh I have to show at this time he shows when he wants to show he creates when he wants to create and he's done some really amazing things that have really highlighted the history of black design like collaborations with Paul Kanai and and with FUBU in like some of his earlier collections I thought that was so great and that, that's a way to like not appropriate to pay homage to something to actually bring them in and say you know, I want to give light to these people who didn't make it then, but are so much a part of what we're able to enjoy now, even with the hardship still. This is an important piece, though, to both, because I see fashion as art, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I connect the two, inter, not interchangeably necessarily, but yeah. to be someone in fashion, I think you just naturally are an artist. You yeah. create works of art, you create wearable art, you create mobile mm-hmm. art. And a classmate of mine from Bowdoin, Sean Leonardo, he is an artist who had an exhibition that was supposed to display depicting the violence on black and brown bodies. And it was pulled immediately. Hmm. It was pulled because they were like, well, we don't feel like this is appropriate. And, you know, they had their excuses. Don't you know that immediately after all the protests started, after George Floyd's murder, they were like, about that. 
Wow. So we would love to bring that back. So it, oh it makes you realize that even in the moments when your voice, your vision can sometimes be rejected, to stay strong with the message yeah. that you're trying to put out there, you know? And I think- Especially when something undeniable, you know? Right. When you have the moral high ground, it's like, you can't be afraid, you know? Because you I will do, end up on the right side. Right. And And what I wish that we could get to in the world of fashion is- being, you know, and I'm, I'm a huge fan and I say this all the time and like, maybe I should just like change the podcast title to also like, also known as being proactive. I really believe the importance of being proactive. I think a lot of times we are in a society where people are reactionary, where it's like, okay, I have to throw it in your face before you're finally like, oh yeah, okay, I'll listen, I understand. Yeah. We have the message out there that Black people are doing amazing things in the arts, in fashion, in music, but yet still we are experiencing a lot of this appropriation, a lot or of this- doubt in their capabilities. Right. You, you still get the doubt. Like you still have to fight 10 times yeah. as hard to get a voice in the room when not only have you done the work, uh. but you clearly can show what you can do. Like what's been your experience Oh my gosh, I was waiting for this question. Girl, <laughs> tell me, let me sit back. Like, so we, so, okay, I run this company, Trim Notions, that you mentioned. It's myself and another um, Black woman. Her name is Stacey Turner. That is my partner, my ride or die. I adore her. And we've been on this journey for a long time. We worked together for about seven years prior to opening up our own business. And we opened up the business in 2015 to, we just thought we had a better way to service people looking for this very niche product, which was trimming. And we started out pretty strong out the gate. But then I think when we were looking for like new customers, a larger customer of ours went like bankrupt. And so we obviously can't, like that's business 101, like don't ever have like all your eggs in one basket with like one client. And so we didn't, but at the same time to like fill that, we obviously had to get more clientele. And I think very early on, we would go into meetings and people would be like, so like, who's the owner? And we'd be like, we are. It yeah. says it on the. It says it on our cart, you know. Like or it. Like clearly, we we're the owners. We'll say like this is our business, and they'll still like come back, you know, days later and be like, oh, so like, oh, we didn't know you owned this. Or like, I thought customers come to me years afterwards and say like, we didn't know you guys owned it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And so it's just really frustrating because I do feel like as women, as young black women, I think our age and our race that times does play into it. Like where there were times where I had to be, you know, not stern with the client, but say like, hey, we can deliver. <laughs> so we can't deliver a B, you know? And that would be a point where that's where I would get the conversation of, you know, uh, Chantel is, is terse or she has an attitude. And I'd be like, so they would say that you're terse or have an attitude? Yeah. And like, and it would be like me putting on the most sugar that I could, manage or muster but also being like we have business to do like I don't have time to sit here and tell you you have eyes like the moon and also you can't achieve this goal that you're you, you're setting in front of us you know yeah, but any business owner you know you would not expect that of a white man to come into a business meeting treat someone in that way they would be confident they would be stern yeah. they would say here's my product i'm proud of it right. i'm producing this you can trust in me let's yeah. do it and this would be like after months of like doing some kind of development with them so it would really be at the like end of my line it wouldn't be 
like a thing, but it was almost like you could never really say that. And I, I saw it because Stacey and I worked with them. You know, we worked with other companies private previously before we started our own business and it was owned by a white man. And so when he said no, it was no, that was it. You know what I mean? Like there might be a little bit of back and forth on like negotiating on a price. Something but it like wasn't that. a personal wasn't thing. Like a, yeah, it wasn't personal. It wasn't like, oh, you've got this attitude or you're terse. And I was like, and I would sit there with Stacey and I was like, what did I say? Like I would, I would, it just started making me go over every email with like a fine tooth comb. Even if the email was just to say like, hey, hello, could you send us a, a color number? You know what I mean? I would have to like, really be like okay do i say hey hello exclamation mark do i say do i put a smiley face hello and make it really unprofessional right very like pretty please may i have this color code that you had referenced previously that we didn't receive just yet but it would be great if we do receive it you know like it would have to be such passive language and i'm like i just like listen we need this color code so that we can move on to this project like it's on a timeline on deadline or something like that you know so i feel like i've experienced that part where i can't just say listen, this is, I want to help you achieve what you need to achieve, but this is how we have to do it. These might be some of the limitations, but let's try it this way, you know? Oh, trust um, me. I'm, I'm, I'm well aware. It like paralyzes you. For me, it paralyzed me for like a long time. I was just like, I don't want to feel like I'm losing business for myself and my partner. Like this is our livelihood. You know, I didn't want to feel that way. And like, now I feel like we're better. We have like, you know, our, our reputation starting to precede us and things like that, which is great. But it's still very tough. Like, I still walk into rooms where people are like, oh, I didn't expect you. Like, I've definitely had people be like, oh, I didn't expect to see you. You're like, what am I supposed to say to that? Yeah, like, I expected like, you to be somebody different. And I was like... But I'm not. No, this is me. This is me. Yeah. This, this, is, the, this like, is the talent that you see before you. This but is, it is like a really weird... It is a really weird market. Like, nobody's out here doing trimmings being like, yeah, like, I want to do fashion. Let me sell some late. Like that's not what people No, but it's, I mean, the sad part is that it, it seems to transcend every market. It seems to transcend every circle in which, and I, and I will say it more so for black women than black men, right? Because now you've got the multi-layers of, yeah. oh, is this space for you? And it's like, yeah. every space is for me. <laughs> Gosh darn it. Every space is for me because I say every so. Every space is for me. I love that. Yes. Every space is for me. And, so it's interesting. I mean, I do, like I said, we, we're working with some really amazing brands now. We're also still caught in the space of like, we're so not used to tooting our own horn. And even toot. right now, like I, I'm like, I can't say that name. Like, I don't know if that'll be okay, but I won't say names just because sometimes with people with their sources of where they get materials and stuff on it's sensitive. It's like, not proprietary, but it is kind of like their little treasure chest of, you know, kept like goods that they use. Well, it's their tools that they use in, as a designer, like, right? To to, to be different than yeah, than others. People ask me like, "Hey, who's your seamstress?" I'm like, I work with that seamstress for five years now to get them to the point of like working with me and my look. Like, it's not something that just comes easy. I'm just like, "Hey, take my seamstress now, girl." You know? I wouldn't give out the name of a babysitter that was good. <laughs> That's mine, you know. <laughs> Like, she's good, good. I'm not, right, so I get it. Like, if you have somebody who's working within your cohort that is making you successful, especially when you have to work that much harder to be successful, no, you don't need to be giving out those kinds of proprietary details. So we we do love working with, like, young designers, established designers, and especially the young designers, because they're the ones who, like, I've been on both sides of it now. I've been 
a designer, I know like some of the pitfalls that you can go into as a young designer. And I try to like pass that on to them, especially like when young black designers come into our office. Stacey is just like, you give away so much information for free. Like you should be consulting. You need a consultant list. And I'm like, you're right. But at the same time, it is part of my giving back because it does come so freely. I'm just like, man, as long as they order something from us, like we'll, we'll call it even. I'll know? tell you this. When you're ready to launch a, a showcase party of any kind, I will be there with bells and whistles on and not my brown crotch drop suit. Yeah, I'm sure you'll literally have bells and whistles on. <laughs> like knowing the new hubby, there's definitely going to be like literal bells and whistles. There might be a boom box on my shoulder. I don't know. I can't, I can't, I can't say no to any of that. You'll be like a like Prince, like luggage suitcase that like sings as you roll it. Like if I, just I that's what I mean. Like legitimately, if I... And I've, dream, I've I've had dreams about like what would be my dream wardrobe outfit, mm-hmm. and maybe one day I'll I'll you know scoop up enough money to actually pay you to put this together what? for me. But I'm thinking velour, you know. I'm thinking okay. velvet. I'm thinking purple. I'm mm-hmm. thinking cape, but also like really short booty shorts and a crop top. <laughs> it's there's oh, a lot. Oh my god. Knee high socks, roller skates, and then you might need to go find Billy Porter because this sounds like something he would. It love is because there has to be <laughs> glitter and you know a trim. Hello, there has to be yes. the trim that glitters. Well, next time you're in New York, we might have to just have you come down to the you know, just studio and fitting. just the showroom and like pick up yeah. some stuff, and you can just like because I do it to my own clothes all the time. I just like take stuff from my showroom and like zhuzh it up. If yeah. it's some like, I don't know, five dollar dress I bought from somewhere, I'm like, oh let me throw something on it. And, and it's it really, you know. Maybe we could also convince Feroz to create like a theme song for me to <laughs> walk in. Listen, I'm all you know, for it. You know, um, I'm still holding on to my singer dreams, so Oh you know wait, I mean? how could we forget? Okay, how could I forget? You also sing, and I don't mean you also sing, but you <laughs> sing sang. You know, were we in gospel choir together? I think we were did we do Milagros together? We must have. I was not good enough for Milagros. So you weren't Milagros. in Milagros? Oh, no, 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 no. I was good enough okay. for gospel choir where I could be like the alto in the back swaying. Oh no. Um, no mm-hmm. I did Milagros. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I know y'all were like, please, yes, you know, the women ways, the Milagros, and, oh, and what was it, boys group? Myeros. The Myeros. Mm. Who came up with these? Anyway, I don't know. Y'all were the singer singers, and I was the gospel singer. <laughs> I had soul. I'm in sure me. we we definitely did thing together though. You put me onto the whole rent soundtrack that we listened to like oh. every afternoon for like a semester straight for sure. I mean, so it's, I'm not that, saying I'm dramatic, but <laughs> I love the drama. <laughs> I mean, I only love Rent because of you. And I don't even think I like oh. the, like, I don't even know the musical that well, but I know the soundtrack hella well. Because <laughs> I really didn't let anybody get through the dorm without listening to Rent. I was like, y'all listen to Rent? You're like, no, 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 we're going, we're going to class. And I was like, you want me to play Rent? I'll play you out. <laughs> no, seriously, it was like a ritual at one point. Like I would come after every, like this certain period in class and just sit in your room and listen to Rent. Oh, okay. so, great times. Yeah. But Chantel, you were just, you make me so happy. You make <laughs> me so proud. Like really, you, oh. like I'm, I'm remembering the last time we saw each other in person was on the rooftop of that Brooklyn Airbnb that we stayed at. Right after one of your shows, like you had just performed. Oh yeah. 
And I had yeah. my cranky children with me, so I was like, I'm not going to be able to make... They were something that day. It was hot. It was hot. And we had the prep yeah. reunion also, which was, was I think... There was a lot going on that day. There was a lot. Dante showed up. It was, it was an amazing night. And I really remember July 2019 standing <clears throat> on that roof with you. And I looked at you and I was just like, I am so proud. Like, I really... <sighs> my heart just went flutter. Well, I am proud of you too, lovey. I mean, I already told, well, I did leave you a voicemail saying like how much I love the podcast, but I don't think you listened to it yet. I haven't listened to the voicemail yet, but you know, it. I, I will. You I know, mean, it'll be- I could just go back in and delete it maybe and just take it all back. Heavens no. <laughs> Listen, you know, we, we all have our quirks in life and mine is having difficulty listening to voicemails. I don't know why, but it exists. It's a it's problem. Good. I will get help for it. But- no, but seriously, like even just watching the way you move and like all the things that you've done like even from fitness to your political um involvement now like that's all really dope and i think you've done it in a way that is not traditional and i think growing up surrounded by so many like high achieving people who are doctors and this and that sometimes it feels like what am i doing but that's also part of like our progress as like black people to be able to like live these lives that are like fulfilled. Thank you. you know? That's that it. That are not just about like, I have to do this because if not, like my family won't eat. Or Disown won't me, right. Yeah. Like my family is depending on solely me to, to move us, like to give us like 10 generational wealth jumps in one generation. And I still feel like we're trying to do those things, but now we have the like empowerment to do it in our own way. Like I still feel like I'm living the life that I want to lead. It was a little bit harder than maybe, you know, going to this financial institution or this medical institution and going like straight there. But I can definitely say I don't regret any part of this crazy journey that I've been on in fashion and music and stepping and all this kind of the crazy stuff that I've been able to just say yes to because my life has been a little bit less structured. No, but I think, and with that, like, I think that's a very important note, not just for Black women, Black men, children, but everyone. You have to remember that without creating joy in your life, no matter what you do, it won't feel, it won't feel right. It won't feel worth it. It won't it, feel worth it. It won't feel worth it at all. Mm-hmm. And every day will be a day of like, uh, I got to do this thing again. Knowing that I get to talk to you today and I got to like put in a capsule, so to speak, memories of us and, and documenting you and your growth and the changes that we've all made. I was so looking forward mm-hmm. to this. I was like, oh my God like we get to do this thing together Me too. i was like where's my link <laughs> 10 minutes before i was like did she send the link did she send the link you were like have you sent the link and i was like girl i'm black i'm late i'll send the link but i'm like i'm drinking prosecco yes. i was like let me pour the like, well let me get first. a drink too then uh mine is mango and rum but you know girl, well you know like, like any uh, brooklyn person would you know like, caribbean nope. big up big up the ja massive Hey, Kamala, Kamala. I'm not probably gonna say her name. Kamala. Oh my god! As long as they say it, I'm fine <laughs> with it. I love you, girl. I love you so much, and I can't wait to see what else you do and what else you create. And I'm just excited to get to share your joy and your journey and all of your accomplishments with everybody out there. 
Thank Yay. you so much, lovey. Thank you so much for having me today. This was really, really cool. And like, I don't want it to end, but. No, because it won't. Because <laughs> listen, when this, when this little COVID nonsense is over, because it better be over. Y'all people better put your stuff on and get it right. Because I need to start seeing my people again. I am I'm officially making in my head and I'm putting it out there. You know, like I'm, I'm the kind of person, if I say it out loud, like now I'm like, shoot, I have to do this. Okay, what are you putting out there? I'm putting out there that I'm going to start making decisions that may sound selfish, mm-hmm. but are about like creating a happier version of me at every step of the way. Okay. And that means seeing you more. That means connecting with other people more who I haven't yet and stealing that dress that you're wearing. Because that's going to make me happy. I mean, these definitely don't sound selfish. Um, the stealing part sounds criminal, but not selfish. Yeah. <laughs> Only if you report me. Only if you report me. <laughs> no, I got you, darling. We will definitely um, have our fashion circles and and connections and all that kind of celebrations of all the good stuff so all of it i'm looking forward to it and i i wholeheartedly support your selfishness because you give so much and like the way we even connect we connected like this year was from you just giving me that like encouragement to just be me and to be confident in like who I am and who I know I am to be and that came out of like a very random situation but like I'll never forget it it was definitely like so generous and just like lifting me up and I told another friend recently who was like going through a time of like finding herself I told her about our story and I was just like I'm passing this along to you because you need this like pep talk like I got it lovey gave it to me And I'm like passing it on because like you need to hear it. You have all these things and you're not seeing it right now. So I really, really, really appreciated it. And it was just like, I'll never cry. You made me cry. Like this is what I do now after turning 40. I cry at everything. I love you. I love you more. I can't wait to talk to you again soon, sweetie. All right, darling. Sounds good. I'm sorry. I'm like, you know, like nobody has a podcast like in tears. All right. That was not my intention, but they are very happy tears. And I love They are. They are. Yeah. You're so adorable. Okay. I'm going to end this now before it gets worse. We all believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. We who believe.